Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your words are precious. Lord, the truth in your word is precious. So this morning, I pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you need and want to tell your people. Lord, may I become transparent and may your people only ever hear and see your word and your face. In Jesus' name, amen. A key truth throughout the dedications this morning was children are given of God, given by his sovereign free will. They are his creation. They are his design. And all children are special and they belong to him. The parents of a child, whether biological parents, whether foster parents, whether parents who have adopted or even spiritual parents have this incredible privilege to be able to care for, to love, to cherish, to equip and to teach God's own treasured possession. Now let's be honest, looking after kids isn't always easy, is it? 2 a.m. feeds, as I'm sure uh, Louise and, and, and Naomi and, and Josh and, you know, that, they just, I may be still in that or coming through that, I don't know, but uh, that period where you just don't feel like you're getting any sleep whatsoever because of the demands of the children. Dirty nappies. Wow, if you've never experienced that, it's, uh, yes. Uh, locking drawers, putting things up high, putting locks on the cupboards, you know, we, I mean, those kids, that when they start walking, they get in all over the place, don't they? My mum once left, she was baking a cake, and she left a, a little bottle of rum on the side, and she only needed a bit, uh, a bit of it for the cake. She disappeared off into the front room to find my parents. I don't remember this, uh, not to, to see my little brother, sorry. And uh, I decided to take this and, and drink it. Um, she often reminds me of, of that. Eight, teenage years can be a struggle. Let's be honest, even in adult years, other adults can be a struggle, can't they? Lord, give us all grace and patience, I think is all I have to say on that. But so, it would be logical to suggest that if a child or children are a blessing from God, he created them, he designed them, and he gifted them to us, humanity, there must be a reason behind him doing that. Would you agree with that? There must be a plan. Because, let's be honest, no human being designs and builds something without a purpose or a plan, do they? A car is designed and planned and built for us to be able to get from A to B. Houses are designed and planned and built for people to live in. Books are put together for us to read. TVs are designed and built for us to be able to watch. So what about every single one of us in this room today? Let me ask you a couple of questions. Were you all conceived once? Yes or no? 
Did you grow in your mother's bellies? Were you born into this world as every other child is? I hope, I hope everyone's saying yes. Yes. Then just like Adam and Naomi, you are a precious, intricate, designed creation of God. That is something to say amen for. You may never have known that, or if you did, you may never have believed that, but it doesn't detract from the fact that it's true. Whether you say that about yourself or not, you are. You are an intricate, designed cre uh, creation of God Almighty. Throughout the Bible, we see God's plans unfold in detail. Plans for nations, for people groups and individuals. Isaiah, the prophet who lived, gosh, two and a half thousand plus years ago, provides a helpful summary of God's plan. He says this in Isaiah 46, 10 to 11. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey and from the far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. This is God speaking through Isaiah to the people. It's wonderful to know that God has this overarching plan for mankind but it's quite a different thing knowing that God has a specific plan for each person and his plan for each person begins in the womb when God called the prophet Je uh, Jeremiah to be his spokesperson to the people of Judah his first words to him were this before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I had set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God's calling of Jeremiah wasn't reactive to the conception of Jeremiah, but a response to it. It was preemptive if we can use that word. Before I formed you, Jeremiah, I already knew you. Before you were born, I already had plans for you. King David underscores this truth in one of his Psalms, and he says this, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. Jesus himself echoes the preciousness and the uniqueness of each 
human being, including you and I, when he says he knows every hair on your head. Every hair is numbered. Just think about, think about your head. Uh, well, I can't because I haven't got much. <laughs> but there, how many hairs are on our head? Could we ever really count them? What a mission. God knows every hair. This truth isn't just for those God speaks to in his word. It's the very truth that underlines our existence and our being alive today. A truth that we can easily forget. Can we not? A truth that we can not believe. But for those who have never been introduced to Jesus and his good news, not even know. Every human, you and I included, are a created blessing, intimately designed by the author and creator of the universe and of all of life. You are no accident. People hear that themselves so often, too much in our societies. There may be people sitting here who have once been told, you're an accident. You're not going to equate to much. I know I heard that in school. None of us here are accidents. God doesn't do accidents. Some of you may be feeling and have felt unloved. You are loved by the love giver. There is no greater love than that of Jesus. You may feel no one notices you. God sees you every moment of every day with a big proud eyes. You are unique. There is no one like you, just as God intended it. And every one of you has a purpose, else God would never have created you. The challenge is that we now live in a world that turns their back and God as their creator. Adam, not, not, not Adam, Adam, Adam the first man, Adam, just so we, we know, Adam, the first man, allowed sin and corruption into the human heart via the fall, resulting in a human race that is at continuous odds with God. And one of the major effects of this fallen state is failure to be in harmony with God Almighty. Many in society do not even recognise him. They don't even want to recognise him. Many have gods of their own. Football. Sport full stop. Drink, drugs, women, men. The, the list is endless. But the reason they're gods in their life is because they put them first. They make them the priority of their lives. Before God Almighty. We can do it ourselves in our own families if we put our spouses or our children before our dedication to God. We run the risk 
of them becoming gods in our life. Little G's. Many have no hope. Many have no identity. Many see no purpose in their lives. Many Christians are struggling with this as well. Which is just true. Let's be very honest and blank. Uh, frankly, we, we, we can be called Christians, but we still struggle with these things. Humanity's rebellious nature toward God has caused many to strive for answers via other avenues, thus creating different worldviews as to the one God intended. Our origins, our purpose, and our existence are all called into question. Throughout time, the question of why are we here, what is the point of our existence, have been wrestled with, have been questioned by scientists, philosophers, atheists, and theists for centuries and centuries and centuries. Many would have us believe that we are just cosmic stardust that have just been forced together and throughout that journey we have come to be these incredible, intellectual, thoughtful, caring, rational, illogical and compassionate people that I see before me today. But I wonder if that's true. What's the point of, say, love and intimacy? What's the point of it? It'd just be perfectly acceptable for us just to procreate and get on with our individual lives without any care. What's the point of care and compassion? Feelings become irrelevant. If we're just cosmic stardust that's been forced together, feelings just become irrelevant. What's the point of intellect and rationality? Our natural instincts, well, they're just perfectly fine. We don't need to think. We don't need an intellect. We live in a Western society where many reject the creator God, reject the truth of a supreme deity where science is taught as a standard of truth, even in our schools still currently. But even atheistic scientists struggle to understand elements about our existence and why we are here. Some wrestle with the, uh, the conviction that there must be some sort of power behind everything that we see. January 19th, 1936, students from Miss Ellis's sixth form class wrote a letter to scientists asking this question. Do scientists pray? One student called Phyllis wrote to a certain Dr. Einstein and this was his reply. Dear Phyllis, I will attempt to reply to your question as simply as I can. Here is my answer. Scientists believe that every occurrence including the affairs of human beings is due to the laws of nature. Therefore, a scientist cannot be inclined to believe that the course of events can be influenced by prayer. That is, 
by a supernaturally manifested wish. However, we must concede that our actual knowledge of these forces is imperfect, so that in the end the belief in the existence of a final, ultimate spirit rests on a kind of faith. Such belief remains widespread even with the current achievements in science. But also, everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinc convinced that some spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, one that is vastly superior to that of any man. In this way, the pursuit of science leads to a religious feeling of a special sort, which is surely quite different from the religiosity of someone more naive. With cordial greetings, your Einstein. Though Einstein isn't confirming the power of prayer or in a supreme created deity, it's fascinating that one of the greatest thinkers and scientists of our time does suggest that everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that, that, that some spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, one that is vitally superior to mankind. We are not just cosmic stardust. We are not the effect of random chance. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So for what purpose did God create humans? Well, in its simplest form, God created us for his pleasure. For his pleasure. Colossians 1.16 says this, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. All things. Being created for God's pleasure does not mean that humanity was made to entertain God or provide him with amusement. God is a creative being and it gives him pleasure to create. God is a personal being and it gives him pleasure to have other beings, i.e. us, he can have genuine relationship with. But it's more intimate than that. Genesis, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, man and woman, male and female, he created them. You and I and all humanity have been made in the image and likeness of God. That means we have been given the ability to know God intimately intimately we have been given the incredible blessing to worship him to serve him to fellowship with him and to love him as he loves us yes God loves us so much I cannot stress that enough 
this morning. And he wants his creation back in right fellowship with himself. But from the time when Adam sinned and corruption penetrated mankind's heart, God has demanded justice for our rebellion toward him. Payment must be made for man's rebellion. But in his great love for us, God gave us hope. Do you believe that this morning? He gave us hope. He sent Jesus, his only son, to the earth. Jesus, who was God himself, the second person of the Godhead of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit on the greatest rescue mission the world will ever know. Jesus, who came as the ultimate sacrificial lamb to be the ransom, the payment for mankind in our place. Jesus, who came to pave the way for sinful humanity to be in right fellowship with their creator. Again, Jesus, who came as the only hope from humanity. Jesus who came to show us that he is the only truth, the only way and the only life. And how did Jesus seal these truths? By dying for you and for me on the cross. By climbing that hill for Golgotha, the hill he created, to allow himself to be hung on a cross made of a tree which is part of the creation that he created. By taking upon himself sins of mankind, past, present and future, and in doing so providing a way for every human calls upon the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour to be saved. We often become impatient, don't we, in wondering what God's plan is for our lives. I know I have over the years, and I'm sure many of you have as well. But it's not as complicated as we think it is. It really isn't. We just make it difficult. We can strive, become upset, get frustrated in our pursuit of what God wants us to do. But I want to suggest to you that his plan for mankind can be summarised in seven desires that God has for us. Number one, that we would all come to salvation. I don't know everybody in this room. Get in there slowly. We've had wonderful visitors in and each Sunday, which is incredible. So I do not know where every single person is in their faith. But I do want to tell you that Jesus is calling those who haven't accepted him as Lord and Saviour. 
There is hope in his name. There may be some of you, those of you in this room who God is calling. Don't walk away. So number one, that we would all come to salvation. Number two, that we love him ultimately and totally. Him first. That we love, number three, that we love others unconditionally. Isn't that a challenge for us all? really is. But should it be? That's the question. Should it be? Or do we make it difficult for ourselves? Just by loving God ultimately and totally shouldn't be that difficult, but we make it difficult. We do that. Not him, we do. Number four, that we reach others with the good news of salvation. We make that difficult for ourselves. We don't have to. It's good to memorise tracts, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, but actually for you to share Jesus with someone is as simple as just having a conversation. Just telling them what he's done for you and what he can do for them and why. Number five, that we become Christ-like. Isn't that the journey of all who have called Jesus Lord and Saviour? Or it should be that. That we go on this journey with the Holy Spirit's help, guidance and prompting that we become more Christ-like in how we act, what we think, what we do and what we say. Because if we don't, how will the world see any difference in us? How will they? Number six, that we grow in grace and knowledge. It doesn't necessarily have to be academic knowledge, though it's healthy to study academically. Of course it is. But the knowledge of the truth of God's word and the grace that he shows us. Number seven, that we exercise the gifts that he has given us when he needs us to. All of these points, these can all be summarised in the greatest commandment that we've ever been given, but also the simplest commandment. And I'm sure many of you here might know what that is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the greatest and the first commandment and the second is like it. What's the second? You shall love your neighbours as yourself. The whole of scripture from Genesis to Revelation amalgamates into these simple truths here. That we have to love God with every fibre of our being. And we have to love others as Christ loves us. Every one of you in this room have gifts. And you have a purpose given to you by God. Remember God is a creator who designs or doesn't design without a plan. 
But God's plan for us is revealed little by little over time for many people. As we follow him and his plan may look different in different seasons of our life. God's plan is rarely a straight shot into a visible goal. His plan requires us to go on a journey. One that may be filled with detours, sudden stops, confusing turns. But if our hearts are set to obey him in all that we know how to do, then we will be in the centre of his will every step of the way. I really, I want to read that again because I know this caught me up years and years ago. If our hearts, if, if we keep our, our, our minds and our hearts focused on God and our every being is to be dedicated to loving him, to growing closer to him and surrendering ourselves to him, then it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter what job you've got. It doesn't matter what house you live in or whether you live on the street. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. Because it's not those where we, we, we find our purpose. Too often people strive, what God, what is it you want for me? What is your plan for me? What do you want me to do? And God's like, I've given you seven points there. If we stop focusing so much on, God, do you want me in ministry? God, do you want me in that, to serve in that part of church? God, do you want me to do this? God, do you want me to do that? Because a lot of the time, people strive with that and they get nowhere. If we spend our time focusing on the Lord himself, in loving him and growing closer to him, these things will open up. God will reveal them as and when he's ready and when the purpose and the timing is right. Ten years, I would probably say, I struggled with this, this, that very question. And I wish someone had said to me, you're striving in the right... You've you got it upside down. <clears throat> Focus on God. Trust him wherever you are. Be a witness in your workplace. If you don't like your job, that's fine, but you still have a job there. Be a witness. Be a witness. You don't like your boss. Fine, I get it. I've worked under horrible bosses. Be a witness. Don't talk about them behind their back. Be an example of Jesus, of grace and love. God needs people in the everyday world, in whatever situation that looks like. That's not where our purpose comes from. It is from our dedication to Jesus and our loving of God. Today we dedicated Adam and Naomi to the Lord because he is the creator of all life. But we are all here because of that same reason. Because he created us. He loves us. And he desires fellowship with every single one of us. And he asks us to partner with him 
in sharing the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The band would like to, like to come back up. Just in closing, I want to say for those of you who may be here, who are still resisting God's call, resisting that call to come <coughs> to him through Jesus Christ, I encourage you to take a leap of faith. Take a leap of faith. It will be the best decision that you will ever make in your lifetime. I stake my whole heart and life on that. If there is someone here today who is in that journey, please come and speak to one of us after the service. Come and speak to me. Don't walk out of here today without asking that question, why? Why should I answer? For those of you who are increasingly frustrated because you do not know what the plans God has for you, it might just simply be he's not ready to show you yet. He might not be ready. And it might be that, as I've said, he wants you to just be a witness where you are right now. Stop striving. Focus your energy on loving him and growing closer to him. And finally, for those of you who may be sitting here thinking, I've blown my chance. Blown my chance with God and I've missed his plan for my life, which is again something I've heard people say to me. My gosh, I want to say you haven't. You haven't. God will never give up on you. And he can and he will make crooked paths straight again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege that we have had today to dedicate these two incredible children. Lord, we see in them the beauty, the, the intricacy, the detail of a creator God. But Lord, we don't just see it in children, we see it in every person sitting to our left and our right if we have eyes to see. Lord, you care so much for creation. Your heart breaks when your creation doesn't come back into fellowship with you, who denounces you, who turns their back on you. Heavenly Father, help us to walk out of here today understanding how precious we are to you, how much you care for us and how much you love us. Minister to us, Lord, I pray as we go into our afternoons. 
Lord, for those who may be struggling in any of these areas, I pray that you give them the confidence to come and speak to one of us. Draw close to them wherever they are, Lord, I pray. Reveal yourself to them. But Lord, I finish this prayer in just thanking you. Thanking you for the effort that you've put into humanity. All because you just want to walk with us. And you want us to be in fellowship with you. So we just recommit ourselves to you this morning, Lord. Use us this week. Help us to be a witness wherever we may be and whatever we may be doing. And help us always to grow closer to you and in doing so, become lights that shine Christ to this world that is in such need for hope. We ask this all in your Son's mighty name, our Saviour, Jesus Christ.